appreciate our team back there working hard to help get this out. So if you're somewhere else, get your Bible ready. Uh, open your app, you know. Word of God, it's alive and powerful. We're going to turn to, as you can probably see, 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 7 is kind of the key verse. Key verse, all right? Which, you know, and memorize a lot of these verses as a kid in the old King James, of course. You know, casting, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's kind of our key verse. But since you've got it open, let's look at the whole thing. Can we do that? Well, let's not the whole thing, like the whole Bible. In this passage, in this chapter of the Bible, uh, in um, chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he's given instructions to the leaders, the elders, the pastors, the overseers of the church. And he kind of comes to the point of saying that we all need to uh, with, you know, have humility, not to the Lord, just to the Lord, but to one another as well. Before the Lord and to one another. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 6. Can I just read? I don't want to preach on all this, but I want to get the context. Are you with me? So here's what he says to do. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares or anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I needed to hear that. How about you today? Pray with me, Father. Bless your word. Open up our hearts and our minds. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it. And help us to respond to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask a question here. Um, how many of you have ever had any broken bones? Okay, yeah, so quite a few, quite a few. The only one I really, I've been blessed. I've had a rib or two cracked, but see this finger right there? See, that's kind of a little crooked right there? That's what happens whenever you're going to punch a Holstein cow in the dairy barn and you connect with the hip bone whenever you're like 13 years old, okay? And so it never did get straightened out, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so how many of you have, how many of you here today, let's have a little participation, have had stitches? Okay, more than 30. Okay, there's some stories there, huh? I guarantee you. How many of you have had a gunshot wound? Okay, uh, been wounded in war. Okay, so, you know, how many of you have just wounded? <laughs> okay, yeah, you've been wounded. Um, so uh, today what I want to do is I want to talk about some different kinds of wounds. We know all about physical wounds, and we've had to deal with many of those kind of things, but the, the ones I want to talk about today are the hidden kind. And they are oftentimes the ones that cause the most damage and can be harder to live with than the physical ones. Okay, think about that. I'm talking about hidden wounds. What are hidden wounds? We're talking about emotional wounds, wounds on the inside of us. It can be memories, resentments, regrets, worries, anxieties, fears, compulsions that we have from our past. 
They can consist of memories of different things, of abandonment. How about abuse, of uh, criticism, ridicule, pain, rejection, or even prejudice. So where do you get these hidden wounds? Well, you get them almost anywhere and everywhere, right? For many people, it may have started at home. And even on the playground. Boy, kids, we can be cruel as kids, can't we? I mean, kids can be so cruel. And the sad thing is, is that, you know, I know, I can remember when I was a kid, I did and said a lot of cruel things. But, you know, they say sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. There's a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> I just made that up. Yeah, because... Because the thing is, is that um, it hurts worse in some ways. They tell us, here's the way it works, is that like physical pain, you remember that you had it, but you don't really remember it in the same way. In other words, you may remember almost cutting your finger off, and you remember that it hurt really bad, but when you think about it, your finger doesn't start to hurt exactly like it did when that saw about got it completely cut off. Even I've heard... Uh, women talk about childbirth and going through that, but, you know, the joy replaces the pain. Some say, oh, no, no. But anyway, you remember you had pain, but when you think about it, you don't want to start feeling it. As a rule, you, when you think about something, you don't actually, your nerves and everything don't start feeling exactly what you felt when you had the pain. But with emotional pain, it's different. Because when you think about it, oftentimes you do feel exactly the same hurt come in the inside that you felt when it happened. See? And so it can be a lot more complicated. Uh, you get these wounds from oftentimes your family. You get them from people who are supposed to be close to you. Get them at work. Um, maybe maybe you've, you've, you've had this happen because of uh, where you're from, uh, color of your skin, uh, your accent. No? Okay. No? I mean... Whenever, whenever, whenever I, I moved to Oklahoma, there was some that, you know, tried to make fun of me because of my hillbilly accent. You know, I work on it, but then there's times I think things just sound better to say in the accent and to say with bad grammar because people listen better, right? No? Well, um, but, but, but we do the same thing. I mean, growing up in Arkansas, right? You learn, if you live in Arkansas, you have to learn to what? Call the hogs, Right? You've seen, that, you've seen people down there do that? I grew up doing that, call the hogs. If you're going to live in Arkansas, you're going to call the hogs. You're not going to call the hogs. You're not going to do that, okay? Somebody make fun of you if you do it. You say, oh, well, anyway, you know what I mean. Some of the things we just tease in, we just, you know, having fun. But, but there's some things that can kind of like, I think that you're less than what you are. And there's a lot of that going around today, people talking about it. The deepest wounds of all, though, I think come from people who are closest to us. And everybody has, everybody here, I guarantee you, every one of us have some hidden hurts on the inside of us. Many of them have been there for years, ever since we were a child. And many of those were not your fault at all. It's things other people did and other people said to you that you didn't deserve. And you can look very beautiful on the outside and seem very successful on the outside, but be crumbling on the inside. In fact, there's going to look at a lot of verses, so you want to write these down so that you can meditate on them later. Um, in Psalm 
chapter 147, verse 3, David talks about this. He talks about how God heals the brokenhearted. It's time to move this back. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wound. Did you hear that? Heals the brokenhearted. That's the inside hurts. God can heal those and bind up those wounds that are just as real as the outside wounds. God does that all the time. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that Jesus healed a lot of people, right? Jesus healed so many people, not just physically, but also emotionally. And as we look at this, I see patterns emerge. And we're going to kind of use that today and think about that. But even though you may have been the victim, here's what I know. Even though you were a victim, that this is true. Hurts that you have experienced can take over your life. Did you know that? Hurts that you have experienced can absolutely take over your life. One thing that's kind of troubling is if we're not careful... Sometimes even pride can sneak in the back door. What I mean by pride and selfishness is that because of my hurts, I begin to just focus on that, and that causes me to focus on me. Even though I may have low self-esteem and think lowly of, or bad of myself, I'm still just thinking about myself. Sometimes hurts can, if you're not careful, cause you to focus just on yourself. Did you notice this passage that, that Peter instructs us to do what in verse 6? That's why I want to read the whole thing. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The, one of the first steps in salvation, did you know that, is to humble yourself? As I humble myself before God. And, and uh, it's under, did you notice, the mighty hand of God. We fully acknowledge who he is. He's a mighty God. And I, I bow before him. Part of humility is me recognizing who he really is and who I am in light of that. One reason why we cling to our hurts is this. We just really honestly don't trust God with them. I would rather hang on to them myself than trust God with them. We forget his mighty hand. Under the mighty hand, he said, of God. And the promise is... If we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, that he will lift us up, right? Amen? Come on, help me out here. I need help today. Amen. <clears throat> so that's the promise. And the implication is that we need to stop trying to lift ourselves up. This is the part that we need to trust him in. We need to trust him to take care of our every need. How do we do this? Well, right here as I read this passage... <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're not careful, you will think that he's really making two commands here. But actually, there's only one. We will think that he says, humbling yourselves on the mighty hand of God and then casting all your cares or anxieties on him. So we think there's two things. We need to humble ourselves and we need to cast our cares, our anxieties on him. Actually, there's only one command. All right, follow me on this. Because as you study this in the original language, in Koine Greek, you see that these uh, uh, different verbs here are used different ways. Humble yourselves is imperative. This is the command, that you're to humble yourself. And casting your cares, your anxieties on him is how you do it. It's not a second command. It's one command, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, you could translate it this way, by casting your cares on him. That's how you could translate it. Because there he's telling us how we humble ourselves and as a result of humbling what we do. 
It's a complicated participle in the regular, in the, in the original language. Uh, but so that's what we're to do. We're to cast our carols as, as we humble ourselves. And the reason why we don't is we're not humbling ourselves under God. Now, to cast, I want to look at I believe every word in the Bible is inspired. And I want to look at them. And I, I love wor- words are our tools and, and that we want to use. And, but I want to look at the original language and see what these, words, what these words came from and what the original word God inspired to be written was. And that word cast is literally a word that means to have a sudden motion. It means literally to fling, to just fling, to throw. Now, our word cast means that, but too often I think we take it wrong because of how words change. Because many of us, when we're casting our cares on the Lord, we're casting it more like we cast that lure out there with a fishing pole. And we let it sit a while and we start reeling it back in. That's not what he means. And the word cast here means more than just letting go of something. A lot of times say, well, you just got to let go and let God. Well, it does involve letting go, but it's more than that. The word literally means to give it a heave. Give it a heave. Out of there. Okay? Don't just let go. Give it a heave. All right? Um, Our cares. Our anxieties. Actually, the English standard that I'm reading from translates it anxieties. And that is probably the more proper word. I just like the way it plays on words in the English. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. The words used two different ways, right? It's two totally different words in the Greek language. But the word translated cares or anxieties is a word that literally means to be divided. It means to be divided. It means our focus is divided off. It means worries and it means anxieties. Uh, that's the way we use that word sometimes. In fact, it's the same exact Greek word that was translated in the story that Jesus told about the sower and the seed. You remember that some of the seed fell in the thorny ground and where the weeds were, and then when it grew up, it represented how that the word grew up in this crowded heart, and it says the, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world choked out the seed and it became unfruitful, Right? That's the same word that's translated cares here. It's, it's all of the, the worries, the anxieties that go along with all this stuff going around us. It means to have your mind divided. Your focus is off of Jesus. A good illustration of that is when Peter, uh, who he used to write this, you remember when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter was the only one that's like willing to get out of the boat, like, hey, if it's you, let me come to you. He says, come on. He's willing to jump out of the boat. You've got to hand it to him there. But he kind of sometimes acted and thought be, or, or, and talked before he thought. You know, some of us can identify with someone. I'm glad the Bible has people that I can identify with. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to see the wind and the waves, what happened? He began to sink. And that's exactly an illustration of what he's talking about here is because all of these things, they distract us. They get our attention off of the Lord and onto these things. And that's literally what the word means to be divided um, is used here. And we forget, we focus more and more on our problems, we focus on our fears, and we forget the mighty hand of God. And like I said, I like, I'll probably continue to use the word care for anxiety here because it flows with the last part of the verse that the reason why you humble yourself under the mighty hand and throw your worries and your anxieties and cares on him is that he cares for you and it's a totally different word in the original but it plays on the same word in the english and that word care he cares for you uh, is it means something that's very important and valuable you care about something so you see how we use words I mean, people learning our language struggle with this kind of stuff. 
you know, like cares. I have, I have cares. Oh, you're worried? No, I, I, I care about this. You're worried about? No, I'm, it's, that's not what I mean. I mean, I, 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 I value it. So he's saying, cast all of your anxieties and worries on God, things that divide your mind and your heart, because God highly values, treasures you. You matter to God. That's exactly what that verse is saying. You matter to God. You might feel like you don't matter. You might feel like God don't care. You might feel like God, but we're not talking about your feelings. We're talking about what the Word of God says. We're talking about the truth of God, and the truth of God is that you matter to God. You are very important to Him. You are highly valued. So he says, cast them. Now we know what cast means, but how am I going to remember how to do this? I found this uh, years ago. I wrote it down in some old notes, and I kind of brought it back. I may have doctored it a little bit. I don't even know where I first got this, but I want to give you something that's helped me. So we're going to, we're going to, if I, if I yeah, there we are. We're going to cast them, right? C-A-S-T, cast. Are you with me? You got to be ready for this. All right, so this is how I'm going to do it. And we're going to look at various scriptures. I'm probably going to spend a little more time on the first two, and then we're going to fly on through the last two. So don't let me lose you. C, all right, C-A-S-T, C, all right? I'm stuck, Jeff. C, C-A-S-T, next slide. <laughs> okay, we got problems. All right, I'm just going to tell you. C, come clean before God. That's what that means. C stands for come clean before God. That's actually part of humbling yourself before God. Isn't that what he said to do first? That's the command. That's the imperative. Humble yourself before God. Got to come clean. So when I humble myself before God, I've got to be real. I've got to come clean about myself to myself before God. Sometimes I want to deceive myself about myself, all right? So I want to come clean before God. I want to be honest, have that honesty. That's what God wants. That's part of humbling ourselves. I'm never going to get well about my anxieties and my hurts and my fears and my worries until I face them straight on. See, holding on to a hurt, they say, is like taking a hot coal in, in, into your bosom. It's like taking a hot coal inside of your heart. It's going to burn you from the inside. A lot of people say, you know what, just hold on. Time heals everything. Well, I want to tell you, time... Well, Maybe that's the theory down at the emergency room. You know, you go down there and you wait for hours and hours, and maybe they're thinking, you wait so long, you know, I'm about cut my finger off, but it seems to have already healed by now, right? You know, I, that happened one time. I had a horrible accident, um, and Caleb saw it happen uh, with, a, with a table saw. Was telling me, And I was all, you know, as a dad, I was like, well, you got to be careful with these things, isn't it? You got to be careful with these things, man. You can cut off your finger. You can, and many people have, and all of this. And about that time, something popped up, hit me, and I'm like, oh, I touched the blade. I think I touched the blade. Did I? I looked at my finger, and the, and the, the, the end of it, it was actually this one. The end of it was kind of seared off, just the end of it. Oh. And then I turned it over, and I thought, oh. And we wrapped that dude up and <clears throat> got to the emergency room. But I sat there so long. You know, I honestly, it kind of split the top part in half a little bit. Uh, but, you know, is, is most of it there. But anyway, I, I, I didn't get a good look. I just saw it was not pretty. And we wrapped it up. And, but after sitting there for so many hours, you ever been in the ER and you just, you know, you're contemplating, 
like faking a seizure or something or anything, you know. Uh, but I thought that I was going to do that because that's like I've had nothing, you know, for pain. And, man, this thing, I, I'm, I don't want to look at it again. I don't want to start bleeding again. And I thought about faking a seizure, but the homeless guy that was trying to stay, he had already tried that, uh, that was in there. So I thought, well, that doesn't work. And so, but I finally went up there and said, you know, I've been here for several hours, and I cut this finger on a table, so I'm not sure how bad it is, but it, it may just be dangling. I don't know for sure how long before we can't reattach it. And they got me right in there. It was amazing. But, um, so, but, but I, I would tell you, time doesn't heal everything, right? Hey, if you have cancer, you don't have the attitude time heals everything right. You know, you don't. You don't. Time does not. In fact, a lot of times, time makes it worse. What a lot of people do, though, is we almost take that approach and we just clam up. We just, we just bottle up these hurts. Do we not? Isn't that our tendency? Well, guess what? That's been going on forever, ever since sin happened. David even talked about it. Man, there's so much wisdom in Psalms and in Proverbs. Listen to this. In Psalm 39, verse 2, listen to what he says. I was mute with silence. Clammed up. I held my peace even from good. Guess what happened? And sorrow was stirred up. You see what he's describing there? As I really bottled up and clammed up, even from good, I'm just not going to do anything or talk about anything, sorrow got stirred up inside of me. He was hurting on the inside. Do you see that? And the more he thought about it, the more it hurt him. And people respond to hidden wounds in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I would say one of the main ways is we just kind of bottle it up. We clam up. It's kind of like shaking up a soda pop and the pressure builds. One of these days, the top's going to blow. You can't just cover it up because hidden wounds will fester. Um, maybe you're totally drained and depressed. Uh, you're drained all day long, have no energy. Could be that you're using up all your emotional energy on the past and you have nothing for the present. You spend so much time resenting, regretting, thinking about how you were hurt, who hurt you, thinking about getting even. All of your emotional energy is being focused on the past, and that's using up emotional energy so you have no energy to get on with today. David says this in Psalm 32, 3. He says, when I kept silent. See, that's that bottling it up thing, right? Are you following it? My bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long. <laughs> my bones. You feel like your bones are growing old because of the stress? Yeah. Uh, our society is so big on escaping pain. And that's what we want to do. We don't want to deal with pain. We want to escape pain. People do it in a lot of different ways. Some people do it by moving from relationship to relationship, just thinking that somehow you're going to find somebody who's going to just make everything right for you, and that's not going to happen. And that's one of the big reasons why some people get involved in Ill illegal drugs and become alcoholics, uh, abuse prescription drugs. Uh, people, you know, escape, and all they want to do is watch TV and watch movies all the time. Some people, some people deal with it by diverting themselves into hobbies. Uh, some people even use work. Can you believe that? They want to work so hard they don't have time to stop and think about their hurts that are on the inside. But I want to tell you, this is not what God wants. God wants us to not do that. He wants us to, op to open to him. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to come clean before him and be honest with him. 
He can handle it. He can handle it. You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with God. C, come clean before God. C, A, A. What's A? Well, what we need to do is to accept God's truth. Accept God's truth. So we come clean before God. The next thing we got to do is believe and accept and obey what God says and realize God's truth never fails. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my followers. Then you will know the truth, okay? Then you will know the truth. You're not really going to know the truth until you hear the truth from his teaching, and then you've got to be willing to obey the truth. If you're not willing to obey the truth and continue in his truth, you're not really knowing the truth. All that's there, okay? Let's move on. Then you will know the truth, and what will the truth do? Make you free. I know a lot of people that acknowledge the truth. They say they believe in the truth, but they're not at least willing to obey the truth, so they don't have the freedom. This all fits together. Uh, this is the way he's laid it out there. So, you know, they tell us that, and I don't know if this applies equally. It's supposed to, that our mind is like the most amazing thing in the world. Right? It's like no computer can match it. You guys are looking at me pretty blank. It's like, that may not be true for everybody. Well, they say that everything that's happened is really recorded in there. It's just you can't always access the files, right? And it's like me, it's not that, I'm, it's not that I, I, I don't have any sense. It's just, that it's just there's so much in there, you know? It's just so much. I just can't always find the right key to access it, the file. See, that's what it is. Uh, but you know what else scientists tell us? You know, those guys who are the experts, right, whoever they are, they tell us that the subconscious mind never really forgets, but it, it, it doesn't always distinguish between what's real and unreal. In other words, that's why you can be at a movie and get all caught up in it and you start getting chill bumps. You get scared, you get upset, or, you know, I mean, you cry. I mean, I try not to, but as I'm getting older as a guy, you know, I just, I just let it go, yeah? I mean, who didn't struggle way back there when Rocky, even though he didn't win that fight, was going, Adrian, Adrian. I mean, and she's trying to get down there. It's just like, whoo, boy. Anyway, I mean, you just kind of like, men, we try to <coughs> cough it off. What's the matter? Uh, you know. It's all right. It's all right. But see, we can't always distinguish what's real and what's not real. Or you get scared, you know. Uh, subconscious mind is involved in dreaming. That's why, you know, during like first year or so we were married, Clarissa woke up one morning and I was like, she was kind of starting to stir around. I reached over, I was going to kiss her, and she almost popped me in the jaw. I'm like, why'd you do that for? She was having a dream. She called me with my old girlfriend or something, you know. It's like she was actually mad there for me. You ever have a dream and you just like, you wake up and you say, oh, 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 thank you, Lord, that wasn't real, that was just a dream. Because sometimes the subconscious mind doesn't distinguish between what's real and what's not. The application of this is that if you think something, even subconsciously, no matter whether it's real, no matter whether it's accurate or not, it will affect your mind. It'll affect your behavior. It'll affect your health. It'll affect relationships. Whether it's accurate or not. People may have said bad things to you when you were a kid. I want to tell you, they were wrong. But the tape inside keeps playing and keeps playing 
and you may be affected by it today. We, we don't often realize how these thought patterns, though not true, still can enslave us. That's why Jesus comes along and says, if you want to know him, and if you want to follow his truth, and if you want to apply his truth to your life, that he will set you free. His truth will. And so his truth transforms our thinking. God's truth transforms about everything, even those hidden hurts on the inside. Listen to what he tells us. Remember this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2? He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed comes from a Greek word that we get the word metamorphosis from. Metamorpho. Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God wants to so make our minds new. He doesn't just want to write it in your head, but also in your heart. Uh, it's God's truth, not your feelings, not what other people think, but God's truth. And when you have that, then you will be able to test what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I need God's word to overwrite some of my files. That way, see, that, that's the only way to get rid of them. You just delete them, somebody might be able to pull them back up, right? But they need to be overwritten by God's truth. That's what we got here right now. That's what he's talking about. And not only do we, we need to believe it, we've got to trust it. That's what faith is all about. We need to trust God's truth, um, that uh, we accept it, and then we trust what he says. Now, sometimes it'll be hard to do that. We won't want to. That fallen nature of ours doesn't want to let go. How many of you believe everything that you read on the Internet? <laughs> really? You're kidding me. You know, I found this on the Internet. It's got to be true. How many of you believe everything you see on TV or hear on, like, the news or anything like that? No one? All right. How many of you believe what you read? You remember we had newspapers? How many believe what you read in the newspapers? Nobody. All right. How many of us believe that everything that God tells us is true? All of us. Okay. So why is it that we spend so much more time reading stuff on the Internet and watching stuff on TV and listening to stuff that we know isn't true, and we spend so little time listening to and studying what we do know is true? I mean, I could just say, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about some kind of conspiracy theory of this and that. Man, people flogging, I got to hear that, I got to hear that. But let's talk about, we're going to preach, and we're going to teach, and we're going to unpack First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I know what that verse says. <laughs> this is why we're in the shape we're in, okay? We've got to trust. We've got to trust. Um got to humble ourselves cast off those bad memories at the foot of the cross we've got to ask god to heal our memories from those hurts got to trust what he says and then and then and then we have to release those who've hurt us because a lot of times it's people we have to release them why would i say that well you can't get well as long as you harbor resentment and bitterness in your heart it's like a cancer on the inside so for your own sake you have to trust god enough to let go listen of the right you're not going to like this we have to let go of the right to get even uh, 
Romans chapter 12, verse 17, he says, Repay no one evil for evil. Okay, this is not what my emotions say. This is not what my fleshly nature says. But this is what the Word of God says. This is truth of God. And I want to tell you, a lot of times it really goes against what I feel and what I want to think. Am I going to go with myself or am I going to go with the Word of God? Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And then he also tells us in verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, he's quoting Old Testament, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord says he's the one that takes care of that. Now the secret the devil doesn't want you to ever know is this. Getting even doesn't ever end, and it does not get you well. You may think you're getting even, but whoever you're getting even with may think you did more than got even, and now they're going to get even, and then you're going to It never stops. But even if you could get even, it does not get you well. You don't have enough emotional energy to do both, to get even and to get well. You need to focus on what God says will get you well. It may not be what I want to hear, but if I want to get better, if I want to get stronger, I need to focus on what God says works. And he calls it, he calls it, um, what does he call it? <gasps> Forgiveness. Now, I want to tell you up front of myself, I really don't have the ability to do a lot of that. It has to come from him. Living in me and working through me to overcome because, you see, forgiveness is a gift. Grace, mercy, gift. See, a gift is something that you give to someone. You pay for it yourself. You suffer the loss. They don't deserve it. If they deserve it or earn it, it's not a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. Um, do you really, really want to be stronger, get well, get over some things? Well, I think sometimes secretly, it, it, I wouldn't admit this at times, but I might struggle with it. Sometimes we really say we do, but secretly we don't. We don't want to get well. We almost want to hold on to the bitterness and resentment, and we don't want to let go and forgive because if we do, we think we let the other person get by with it. Now, I'm just trying to be real. I'm just trying to be painfully honest. Well, the point is, I know that's wrong. Why? Because God knows more about this than I do. Do I trust him enough? And am I willing to humble myself enough to the point of releasing it to him and trusting it with him and trusting the other person to him? Am I, do I really trust God that much? That becomes the question. Why should I forgive? Well, first of all, because he's forgiven me and I didn't deserve it. Well, what are you guilty of? I'm guilty of killing Jesus. How about you? Because my sins is what caused him to have to die on the cross. I didn't earn it. I couldn't deserve it. And I sure appreciate him forgiving me. And he says, if you're not willing to forgive those, then don't be asking him to forgive you. I've received forgiveness. That's why. And that's what can empower me to forgive others is because I have received forgiveness. So it's because I have received it, first of all. Secondly, uh, probably I'm going to need some forgiveness. I, not, I might need to give some because I'm probably going to need some. 
because I'm going to hurt other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I'm going to need forgiveness. Anybody say amen on that? And then thirdly, unforgiveness just plain old doesn't work. Unforgiveness does not work. Psychologists tell us, have told us for years that your self-esteem comes from what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. That a lot of your self-esteem comes from what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Well, can I recommend for you that the most important person in your life be Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is a mighty God and has a mighty hand of power. He will never let you down. Because I want to tell you, when I get into the truth of God, God says, He says, Jesus says this about you. He says you are lovable. He says you are valuable. He says you are capable. He says you are forgivable. You are acceptable and you are usable. He cares for you and he wants to use you to make a difference in the world. I need to come clean before God about myself and I need to accept and believe and apply his truth in my life. C-A-S. S stands for support from other Christians. I'm going to move quickly through these last two, so hang in there. Support from other Christians. This is something that I need because he made us to be a family, right? And this is part of what not being able to stay connected is a bad thing, folks. Not being, having to go extended times without being together is not a good thing because he made us to be. See, you can't really be part of the body of Christ if you're cut off by yourself. You can't really be part of a family that has relationship if you're never around the family. We are a family. We are children of God. We are body of Christ. We need each other. None of us have all the spiritual gifts. And a lot of what God wants to do in my life, he's going to do through you. So if I'm going to grow in this, if I'm going to cast my cares on him, I am not only going to need to come clean before God, accept his truth and apply it to my life, but I'm going to need support from the body of Christ. I'm going to need other brothers and sisters to encourage me, Teach me, equip me, hold me accountable. There's a big one right there. Without that, we don't go very far. See, this is just the way God works. You're not as likely to get well on your own. You're fooling yourself. In fact, the accountability is so important. He tells us in James 5, 16 to confess our faults to one another. Now, obviously, you have discernment with this. You know, you confess your fault to someone, and they say, well, I have to confess my fault is gossip, you know, and I can't wait to tell it. No, see, that's an old joke, but you need to have someone that you trust that's a brother or sister. And for a man to have another godly man that he can entrust those things with, I tell you, it disarms the enemy. Because, see, one of the ways that the wolf likes to kill is he wants to separate the sheep out, get them by themselves. When we're all together, it's a lot tougher. And when I'm struggling with something, a deep hurt or a deep struggle or a failure, some of our hurts can be our own failures that we, we hate ourselves because. He wants you to get well from that. But when we have somebody that we can trust, that we can confide in, that we can confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, that you may be healed, God will bring healing and strength into our lives. He also tells us in Ecclesiastes 4.12, this very famous verse, he says, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There are, saying, there are, some, things, there are some things out there you can't handle by yourself. You need someone with you. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. He goes on to tell us in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 11, he says, 
Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. That word edify means literally to build up one another. So what are we to do as brothers and sisters? We're to comfort and build each other up, just as you're also doing. He says, you're doing this, but he said, I got to tell you, you got to keep doing that. That is key. So you need to be connected. You need, to, you need support from others. It, it, you need to be involved in a study group. We've got Sunday school, Bible study. You, you know, have a prayer partner, accountability partner. These are so important if you want to get well. And the last thing is this. T stands for touch the lives of others. So we have support from other people, but then God wants to use that to help us to do the same. That we actually, this is one thing. We focus on our own stuff and our own problems. We just get so inward focused. But God gets us to a point that even as we're struggling, there are others going through the same struggle. We can encourage and help them. There may be some things you've overcome. You can help someone else that's further back down the road than what you are. And, and help them get over the struggle. Um, and God wants to use you in the lives of others. And sometimes when we get our focus off of ourselves and on helping and blessing others, amazing the effect it has on helping us overcome our hurts. It is. Be available for God to work through you to minister and touch the lives of others. Listen to what he said to the Corinthians. This is a very powerful verse. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father. He's the Father. That means He's the source of all mercy, of mercy and God of all comfort. Do you hear that? Mercy and comfort. We need that? Listen to what He says next. Who comforts us in our tribulation? God comforts me in my trial and my tribulation. Why? Read the rest of the verse. That we, that we, He's going to comfort me, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And one of the ways God comforts me is through you, and one of the ways God's going to comfort you is through me. That's what he's saying. So we need support from others, and we need to allow God to use us to touch the lives of others. And this is so important of what God is wanting to do in our life. And so one thing about the Christian walk is that it's forward focused. We know about the past. We learn from the past, but we don't live there. We've got to press on. Some of us, the past is holding you down. Listen to what Paul said. Paul been talking about some of the things he was hung up on in his past. And then he says in verse 13 of Philippians 3, forgetting those things which are behind. People said, how do I forgive? How do I forget? I might be able to forget, but I can't forget. So I, want, I believe the word of God's powerful. I want to look at this word forgetting, and I find out in the original language what this word means. It doesn't mean that you don't have a memory of it. It just means it has no power. This word describes something that loses its value. Paul had already listed the things that he used to be hung up on, and now he says forgetting those things. It's not that he didn't remember. He just, said, he just talked about them. But the word means they've lost their power. They've lost their hold on me. So that even if it is brought up, it doesn't give you that knot in the stomach. It doesn't create that pain that you felt before. That's how God can bring you through so that you can forget those things which are behind. Why do you, why do you forget them? Why do they lose their power? Because you're doing something else. You are busy reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Are we focused ahead? Are we focused behind? He says, and here's what I'm going to do. He says in verse 14, I press. I'm, I, I think of somebody running, and you know, like we used to run track, and you know, in the sprints, you lean, you lean into the tape. I mean, you're going as hard as you can go, and fast as you can go, and then I'm going to lean all I can lean so I can get there. I remember doing that one time on a, we used to do 100-yard dash, now it's 100 meter, right? But anyway, um, 
and, and I, was, I was leaning in, leaning in, and I got the tape, but then I tumbled head over heels, you know, afterward, and that was in the qualifying, and I was too hurt to run in the final. So anyway, uh, but that's a bad part of the illustration. That's not what I meant. I mean, we're leaning in because we're straining forward. That's what Paul says. I press toward the goal for the prize of the, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm pressing toward. That's what I'm focused on. And I'm going to close with this verse where he tells us how we're involved in each other, touching each other's lives. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if any man or woman applies both ways, is overtaken in any trespass. All right, this is where we have a failure. This isn't just a hurt, but this is when we mess up. We stumble. If you're overtaken in a trespass, if you're spiritual, in other words, you haven't just stumbled there yourself, and you're, you, you know, you're, you're in a good position there where you're walking with God, I mean, if you're struggling with something, you don't want to get with somebody struggling worse than you and let them pull you down. But if you see somebody, listen, the first thing I want to do is not to gossip and talk about them. And no matter what it is, the first thing I want to think, but for the grace of God, that could be me. It still could be me. So he says, if someone stumbles, trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. The whole object isn't just to beat them over the head and make them know how bad, dirty, rotten they are. The I mean, repentance has to be a part of this, but restoration is the goal, to help them be restored, help them to get where they are supposed to be. And he says to do it how? Do you see that? A spirit of gentleness. We're not very gentle when it comes to this oftentimes. And because we think we're better than others, or we try to put people down. So he throws this part in, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted how many times have you seen somebody up? Ah, man, they're condemning somebody who had a stumble and all that. Next thing you know, they do the same thing. Or maybe they were already doing it. He says, you do it, you restore them. You do it uh, with a spirit of gentleness. And you consider yourself, and you better watch yourself, right? Check yourself, don't wreck yourself. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love one another like he's loved us. All right? Let's pray.